everyone, and welcome to the Tulips in Tuscany podcast. We're your hosts, Steffi, Paige, and Sarah. And we're on a mission to share your stories and provide some awesome resources for families touring Holland. We are three moms to some pretty incredible kiddos, and we're excited that you're here to navigate this unexpected journey with us through beautiful Holland. Well, hello, guys. Welcome back to our Tulips podcast. We're glad you can join us for another exciting episode where Paige, myself, and Steffi will sit back and let our husbands take the driver's seat and talk to you about our kiddos' journey from their viewpoint. Before we introduce the other men in our lives, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor. So I am super excited that my son and I just started working with a company called Simple Spectrum. They are one of the highest quality vitamins and minerals in the most bioavailable forms and nothing else, which is really how supplements should be. Their mission was to create the kind of nutraceutical supplement that they wanted to see available based on the latest scientific research and free from the additives packed into so many other similar products on the market. I love that they understand it's not always realistic to get your child to take multiple products in a day, which is why they created an all-in-one prebiotic. Their supplement provides the nutritional needs of the developing nervous system with extra support for individuals with autism, like my son Lane. By addressing potential dietary deficits often seen in children with autism due to picky eating habits and sensory issues. So be sure to head to the link in our podcast notes to check them out. To start us out, I feel like we should each take a quick minute and introduce our hubbies and then we'll let them take it from there. So I will first introduce my husband, Jordan. Hello. And this is my husband, Josh. Hello. Hey, Josh. Hi. And this is my husband, Gabe. Hey, guys. Hi, Gabe. Hi, Gabe. Hey. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Okay, well, let's turn it over to the guys then. I'll start by asking you all to tell us briefly what some of your first thoughts and emotions you felt on diagnosis day. Josh, do you want to talk to us about what you felt when we first realized Lane was autistic? Sure. So with our, we had two diagnoses of, of Lane. And uh, the first one was through where he now goes to therapy. And when she kind of gave, a, we had a couple different sessions we went to. And after the third or fourth one, uh, they finally gave us their diagnosis of Lane and said that he, you know, he did have autism. Um, and at that point, just as soon as she said that, everything kind of, I feel like it's probably the same for a lot of people, but everything, you just kind of go numb and you, everything comes a blur and whatever they're saying to you, you don't remember. I mean, that's just kind of what I pictured and that's what happened to me. Um, and then when we got the second time, we went to a neurologist to get a second opinion and it was kind of the same thing. He, he instantly pretty much told us uh, he was a child of autism and then uh, sent us home like a swab kit. And with the swab kit was testing for a genetic disorder, but he really didn't tell us what it was for. Um, and that turned out to be fragile X. And as soon as he said that again, same thing, he, he talked for, I couldn't even tell you how long it could have been a half hour. It felt like, felt like two minutes, but I didn't pay attention to anything he said. Uh, I just remember going back in the car and Sarah and I drove separate that day cause we met there. Cause I was coming yeah, from work and, uh, just instantly broke down in the, in the truck called family, let them know. And then just, yeah, again, it was just a blur driving home and. Yeah, that was pretty much my take on getting the diagnosis from the doctors. Okay. How did you feel in that moment? We're going to make the men talk about their feelings. I know, Josh, this is very hard. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 hold, on, hold on, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> I, I, honestly, it's just, 
the, the main feeling was numb. I just, I, I didn't, other than just kind of being shell shocked, and that, that was the big first yeah. feeling I had. To you know, as much as that's not a feeling, uh, <laughs> but then you know, like I said, I, you know, I just kind of, yeah, cried to myself in the truck. I'm driving home, and Sarah knows I don't, I'm not a big crier at all. So that's I was just gonna say you cry. Yeah, like yeah. I'm human. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was probably. Yeah, and then just making phone calls was tough, but. Um, so Jordan had a bit of a different experience with it being Down syndrome. I'm sure some of those emotions were similar, but um, Jordan, can you tell us a little bit about how you felt whenever you got that prenatal diagnosis and then also kind of the official diagnosis when we saw him at birth? Yeah, it was some of the, some sort of the same experiences that uh, Josh kind of had with uh you know basically the the doctor saying down syndrome you know really everything after that he said was just a complete blur I think too Steffi and I were just so um just had no really clue or sense that us going into uh that doctor appointment that that anything like that was going to come out of his mouth and yeah just the same thing just a lot of emotion just threw us for a curveball, a lot of emotions, a lot of crying, um, a lot of Google researching, um, just kind of the next steps. Um, then, then he sent us to a, a genetic uh, counselor, where basically they gave us a 50-50 shot of, uh, of Down syndrome just based on our age. I think it was maybe, Steffi was 25, 26, I was 27, 28 at the time. So based on those, those ages, yeah, it gave us a 50-50 shot. Same thing, cried, uh, cried a lot, called family. You know, all our parents and friends and sisters are just, were so supportive with with the diagnosis and if it was going to happen, if it wasn't going to happen. Kind of what, what Steffi had said, kind of too, um, we, we went into birth not doing a, uh, uh, what's it, an amnio to figure out really if 99% he had Down syndrome or, you know, to just keep the 50-50 shot. So we... Um, I think we kind of thought deep down that he wasn't going to have Down syndrome, even though it was basically like a one in two chance. We just kept thinking like, no, he doesn't have it. Like, there's a lot wrong. of uh, a lot of nights laying in bed, looking at his ultrasound photo and comparing it to Google images with kids who had Down syndrome and kids who didn't. You're like, well, yeah, I don't think he has it. And then so you think just, there's a nasal bone. Yeah, just trying <laughs> to find those different things. Um, but the second he was born. 100% you knew he had down syndrome so and that that was a pretty you know obviously the second year child well Jordan born. almost missed the birth birth yeah I mean, we did have a lot of people in our room but he was about to pass out and he's like I gotta go get oh, some air the yeah. second he walked out of the room Joshua came out oh. <laughs> oh. at least you weren't in the cafeteria that would have been a bad oh yeah, yeah. that, that would have been bad <laughs> It, it's interesting. Joe brought up a good point of going into that OBGYN and them saying those words, test came back positive for Down syndrome. And it's not something, and I don't know about for you, Sarah, but for us, it was like not something we even crossed our mind going in with a prenatal screen. We're like, it's our first kid. We're so young. We're healthy. You know, these are these thoughts that we have yeah. going into that. So it's not even something that crossed our mind whatsoever. 
And we were just so shell shocked. And then it's interesting with baby number two going into this, you're just fully aware now of all these different things and all these, you know, different genetic disorders and down syndrome and all this stuff going into it that I was almost more anxiety driven second time around, because I'm like, now I know of all the possibilities, but I won't be, I think as shocked if something comes back positive because I'm like kind of prepared, almost feel like every mother going into that should have some sort of sense of something could come up and not necessarily the just totally oblivious. Like we were, we were too. So Gabe, how about you? I know um, Paige has shared your guys' story a bit from her perspective, and you guys have some very similar um, situations that happened with your story, but I'm curious to hear it from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this is the first time I've heard y'all's story, and and while Jordan said a lot of the same things that, you know, I was feeling, and um, pretty similar, um, just story in general, but yeah, we were, I think, 29 or 30 weeks pregnant. We didn't do any testing initially we were both young and we had just got done having a baby shower everything was completely fine we were um not expecting any sort of uh i guess there was nothing abnormal i guess with the pregnancy uh, throughout this 29 or 30 weeks besides Paige being a bit bigger um but then she we got sent to a specialist at, at, at like 30 weeks and um when they tested us and went went to the specialist they gave us a 33 percent chance of down syndrome so again that was just a shocking and, and a surprise and you know that gave us about 10 weeks left to find a new hospital new doctors um so we could deliver at like a you know higher level NICU and from there you know I think that gave us some time to to go through the grieving process we we got tested and and again the, nothing nothing really concrete and obviously as as soon as he was born we both knew right away that he had down syndrome as well um it was a bit of a traumatic birth experience so i remember thinking he wasn't breathing for for a while and i remember thinking like i just i just didn't care at all i just wanted him to 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 be alive so that's that's essentially what i was thinking we actually i don't know i don't know if Paige shared anymore but yeah, we went. So I, that was kind of my initial feeling when he was born that just, it's fine. I don't care. Like, I, I doesn't matter to me. And then kind of we were we stayed in the NICU for about 10 days and about day three or four, a specialist came over to us and was like, oh, you guys have he doesn't have like a typical third chromosome on his 21st. It's a uh, translocation. So every child from now on, you guys are going to more than likely have a child with Down syndrome. And so we're like, so I remember thinking again, like, <laughs> like what in the world's happening? Like, are you serious? Is this real life? Is this, is you, you're saying words out of your mouth, but it doesn't seem real. So we have, we both have a good family and good support system. Which isn't true, right? With translocation, that's not necessarily accurate information, is it? So we had to go through, Paige and I had to go through a series of blood tests and found out that it wasn't in our DNA. So we were relieved to find that out and we ended up having a second child who's a typical child yeah so with translocations you could be a genetic carrier for it meaning that two of your chromosomes could be stuck together and then when dna crosses over it doesn't split off from being stuck together so that's how each child you have if you're a carrier will have you'll have a higher chance of um chromosomal abnormalities and so 
if we were carriers, that's how it would be that every single child, because Tristan's 21st and 21st are stuck together. So that means it would always have an extra 21st if we were carriers, which is just beyond wild. The geneticist was actually super excited to tell that to us because she'd never seen anything like that. And you just hear about it in like your textbooks, I guess. And so she came up to us pretty excited and happy. And we were just like, besides ourselves. <laughs> so interesting. I never knew any of that. Sarah, that's fairly similar, if I'm correct, to Fragile X, right? So with us, I mean, it'll always be like a 50-50 chance, okay. basically. I mean, it's definitely more rare for girls to have it, but essentially it was still like the 50-50. But I think, I mean, I think I speak for us both when I say like with Hope, we really, really didn't think she'd have it. I was like, what, what? would be the chances that I would end up, you know, with right. two fragile X kids. And in going forward, I mean, we've talked to the genetic counselor about, well, I think we're done with kids now, but um, <laughs> we'll always have that 50, 50 chance basically. So gotcha. yeah. Okay. I have a good one for you guys. Can you tell us what some of the biggest hurdles or obstacles have been to overcome? Gabe, why don't you start? So I think initially um, just, at least with Down syndrome, he had super low muscle tone. And obviously that's pretty common with Down syndrome, but I think he was like eight or nine months old when he had like, uh, when he was dedicated in our church and us having to tell the pastor, oh, you got to hold his neck or his head this way or else he won't be able to breathe, like little things like that. And I think it, those those obstacles, um, him not being able to eat hardly anything for quite some time, you know, I think we're in a better place now. He's can communicate to us. He's he's growing up, and I think at least for me, some some of the biggest obstacles were uh, right away when he was born. Yeah, I think that's it for you, um, Jordan. How about for you? Oh man, um, I, I'd probably say really when Joshua was born, there really wasn't a whole lot personally for me, obstacle wise, or that I saw for him. Um, it's kind of been as he's gotten older over the years um he's always been pretty pretty capable physically um just kind of reaching some of those typical milestones with walking um and just movements and rolling when he was littler and stuff like that um but a, a, you know as he's gotten older just the communication has been tough um i think probably the toughest thing personally for me seeing is is his peers kids typically his age doing things you know, he just turned three, you know, three-year-olds talking sentences and uh, eating themselves and just kind of doing all those typical toddler things. So That's that independence. A lot of the independence, yes, um, where Joshua does not have a lot of independence. So that's probably been the toughest uh, stuff for me. And I hope you don't mind, but I know at the beginning, so when you did first receive the diagnosis after that was kind of a big obstacle that you had to overcome. If you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about just, I guess, how you overcame dealing with that diagnosis, because that was an obstacle in general that you kind of had to cope with. And it took you a little while. For sure. For sure. Um, with me and my father, we're basically best friends um, growing up together, playing football, basketball, um, him coaching me just doing kind of all those typical father-son things. I think kind of getting that diagnosis with Joshua, it was tough for sure. 
just uh, not knowing if you're going to get those kind of those typical moments, which, yeah, you know, I know we are. Um, I know we're going to be best buds. But yeah, that was that was definitely tough. Yeah. Especially when you don't know a lot about the diagnosis. You kind of and I think us ladies have talked about that. We had all this fear of different things and you start worrying about the future. And so I know for Jordan, that was a big kind of flash for him. And it took him a few months to really cope with the diagnosis. And I think we both still have moments even now. I would oh, ever yeah. say that we're like, oh, we're totally fine all the time. Like even right. just tonight, both of us were tag teaming Joshua to get him down for bed because he was having a meltdown. And we're both just like, okay, deep breath. Like now let's go jump on a podcast and talk about him. We love him to death, but we definitely still have our moments for sure. Yeah. I think I, I would have to agree with you guys, just like anyone else have our good days and our bad days. But I think that's why we try and just like go day by day because the future is scary. And we all know, you know, every child is different, but you just don't know what, but even with typical children, you don't know what the future holds. So it's scary in general. Um, Do you want to talk about what your biggest? So I I kind of, uh, I'm on the same page as Jordan on this one. Uh, Lane, we didn't really notice anything until like nine months uh, after he was born that he wasn't kind of hitting milestones. Like we saw someone else who had a, a little boy probably what a month apart roughly and you know he was hitting all these milestones and where it's like ah he'll get it you know he was a little behind you know a month or two behind so he was hitting them but then as they got a little bit more older then we really kind of started to notice stuff and that's kind of when we decided to go see some uh, doctors I guess therapists therapists and such to try and get some uh, answers but some of the other hurdles and obstacles definitely was uh, being nonverbal was tough for a while especially because he would you know he's like uh, sometimes he used to have more than he does now but like aggression the way he would express himself kind of throw a lot of throwing he still throws a lot like uh, if we couldn't understand him he would hit or bite um which was very often because it was he just couldn't communicate couldn't to communicate. us what he wanted whether it be food water milk yeah. whatever whatever not even just food but just something to do his schedule is, takes a lot since so it's, it's a lot it has to do with sarah um driving around at therapy school all that kind of stuff uh, he's got a heck of a stick schedule with doctors and whatnot. And, and Lane sets the tone for the, the other girls, too. I mean, if Lane's having a great day, usually is a good day. If Lane's <laughs> having a bad day, the whole house is usually having a bad day. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. We hear that one loud and clear. Do you guys feel that way? Because I feel like if Lane is on, like, this is a silly example, but like we went to go do Easter photos. Lane was into him. His siblings like feed off of him. Like if he's in a good totally. mood, great. If he's in a bad mood, the whole house is just bad. Mood. Yeah. It's, yeah. Usually I'm gone, but I, I get a phone call or a text message by like nine, ten o'clock. Yeah. It's, it's not oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> it's like, you're oh, like 30 minutes into work, you're already getting like the 911. Twerk got about 20 of those today. It was a day. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. He knows. Uh, Gabe said he's not even to work and I'm already calling him. Oh, I'm so glad that you know I'm not the only one. Who See, that. but I'm glad that we have husbands that we can. Um, vent to like that because can you imagine not having a support system with your spouse like that like you have to be able to let it out and now we text each other which is nice we'll we'll all three text each other (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you hurdle or obstacle or whatnot but just making sure that because lane requires so much attention hope being a baby you know requires a lot of attention ella is our typical child and just making sure that she gets enough attention is one of my kind of concerns just so she's not feeling left out or pushed aside, even though she's always trying to to get our attention. Uh, just yeah. make sure that she gets the right kind of attention and not the bad. Yeah. 
that's just one thing I want to make sure. So even today, I say I went to the bank after dinner, and Ella wanted to come right with me, so we took Ella with me. Yeah, she's a daddy's girl. (laughs) Likes, and you know, she just tried to, you know, just even just that little bit. Um, and I just want to say, Jordan, when you were talking about how you had a hard time with the diagnosis whether or not Josh wants to admit it he definitely did too and it was Mm -hmm. kind of the similar we've had those discussions about him he's a hunter and he always had like this vision of like hunting with his son and sports too well in sports sports yeah all the boy stuff so he definitely went through a very similar almost like grieving process you know just because you don't know what you will be able to do with them but day to day I see you still get it you know you see father and son throwing a baseball yeah. i still try <laughs> Doesn't always work hey, out so you know well. what yeah. if we learned anything from our last interview it's that anything is possible 100 oh, yeah. percent. you're right you're right yes yep. just takes a little bit longer yep yes. yeah okay guys this is a two-part question tell us what one of your favorite things about your child is and what some of your hopes and or dreams are for their future so we'll start with you josh oh what's your favorite thing about lane or hope Oh, I would say one of my favorite things about Lane is that when he walks into a room on most days, he steals the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just his, I don't demeanor. know, demeanor, I guess, yeah, would be the right word. Uh, he just, you went out to breakfast or brunch or whatever, to the princess brunch. I just remember that's like, you know, oh, frozen brunch. Frozen brunch girls, yeah. with like my mom, my sister and the girls. You, some woman came up to you and said that boy is, you know, yeah, the star, star of the show. They're yeah. watching the entire <laughs> breakfast for like two hours he was giving high fives and knuckles to all the actors and when he's excited he flaps and he flaps so much that you think he's gonna like take off and like it's like our favorite thing yeah. it's the best yeah. he'll like run off and he makes funny noise as he does it sometimes when I, it's like <laughs> That's okay, funny. Watch my family guy kind of reminds me of, like peter griffin <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, but that's, that's another one of my little favorite things that he does. Um, that's good. But uh, you know, hope being so young, it's it's hard to hard to tell. It's gonna be entailed for her. But just when I walk in the room from from being gone at work, just seeing her gummy couple teeth smile, <laughs> it's it's great. I love it. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite things. And what about your hope or dream? Like, what would be your big uh, dream or hope? for the baby you know for lane i just hope he's already shattering expectations of mm-hmm. what the specialist uh keeps telling us for fragile x and even with the autism autism therapy that he does all the aba does uh you know she keeps saying he's doing great he's you know ahead of where we thought he would be so you know in, in the end I, I can't say that i you know i wanted to drive a car because you know that's just one thing but i i, I just want him to keep breaking barriers going to the next level that's good i like that yeah that's a good answer all right gabe what are some of your hopes and dreams for tristan's future so yeah i can i'll start off with some one of the things i love about tristan and i'll get to his hopes and and my hopes and dreams for him but yeah i I love how tristan just kind of similar kind of acts like the mayor he'll go into publics or something and he's somewhat reserved of a guy and i don't really talk a whole lot to other people if I'm out at the grocery store but he'll you know he'll he'll get you out of your comfort zone so <laughs> I, I've loved that about him I love uh, another thing is he just he loves to make people smile and laugh he just he walks around saying knee slapper all the time and he's like he's telling jokes and like slapping his knee like trying to make you laugh and he's got this huge infectious smile 
And then as far as his hopes and dreams, I, I like I don't know if I have one in particular too, like Josh was saying, but I just want him to ultimately be able to do whatever he wants to do, whether that's live on his own or like you said, drive a car, have good friends, do whatever, be able to realize whatever that is. I like that. How about you, Jar? Well, I need to uh, answer it differently because they stole both of my <laughs> both <of> my answers. <laughs> Yeah, Joshua just lights up a room like immediately. And uh, Gabe's saying the same thing I, I would say, you know, I'm a little more reserved. Like if I'm going to the grocery store, head down, you know, I'm just like, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to interact with people, but Joshua, <laughs> he's just trying to, you know, get people's attention. You know, we man. started tracking how many times people come up to us out in public. Cause every time, I mean, every single time, every time multiple people yeah, come up to he's us. So cute. How old is he? What is his name? Oh, yeah. you know. I got a cousin or a friend, you know, it's just like, there's Can always we give a, him a sticker. Yeah. There's always a story. About <laughs> yes, the sticker. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He he always, always lights up a room. Um, but that's tough. Yeah. What? Cause that's, that's a pretty good thing. I'm trying not, to, I'm trying to pick something else. Something I love about him. Um, I think, uh, I think if I had to pick something that I love about him, I would say maybe his, tenacity is that a good word um he's very stubborn but i'll refrain from stubborn because i don't love the stubbornness all the time but i do think that it helps him in some aspects because he gets very determined to accomplish things that he sets his mind to if it's in his brain and he wants to accomplish it he's going to figure out how um and i think that's going to help him in the future for sure I think it causes a few barriers now but I think in the future it's going to be something that really helps him and I do love that he's very determined and driven to accomplish things he sets his mind to yeah he's really capable of figuring things out like if he look watches you and figures out like how you open that gate or how you open that door <laughs> anything child remote works or yeah he's <laughs> determined to figure out how that works and that, that is pretty pretty cool about him yeah. yeah, Lane is very similar. Well, and it it kind of baffles me with that stuff because he'll, I mean, we have a childproof gate that's like a two-part thing and he watches us once and then goes up to it and he's like trying to figure out how to get it. And I'm like, really? You can figure out how the two-part child lock gate works, but yeah. some of these other things I've been working on with you for like a year, <laughs> you're just refused to do until all of a sudden he'll be like, all right, now I'll do it. Yeah. It's like, kid, you are just something a little extra. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. i like i see oh. what you did there Let's bring us in for another ad here <laughs> catchy jingle yeah. another instagram name oh, no. <laughs> so um how about what is your hopes for him or your goals for his future i think whatever parent father has for their son I want him to be as happy as possible. Whatever he wants to do and whatever he puts his mind to, um, I'm I'm going to be supportive of him. If he wants to run a marathon, dad's going to be there to help him run a marathon. If you know, if he wants to play basketball, we're going to play basketball. Um, I just want him to be happy, successful in anything that he does. That's interesting that you said happy because that's exactly what I was thinking. Is you know, we put these social norms of what happiness equates to, and to us, that's living on your own and driving a car and playing sports and doing all these things. And those are the social norms of that's success and that's a happy life. But in reality, you know, I look at Joshua and I'm like, he's happy as a clam, just hanging out and going to the grocery store and going to travel to new places. And, you know, his happy might look different than what our happy 
is, I guess, or what we have set for our expectations of what makes people happy. And so whatever that looks like for him, I just want him to be happy. Like whatever that equals, you know? Right. We have the same thing all the time too, for Lane. Like at the end of the day, that's all that matters. If he's happy, we're happy. Whatever it is that he's doing, if he's happy, we're happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we've had to redefine what happy means for us and what contentment looks like because it's completely different than my friends that have typical kids and they still have, and I say still because we've had to change our dreams and what we first envisioned. Gabe used to play professional basketball. So he, you know, really thought he was going to have that with Tristan and he still might have it, but in a different way. And I play uh, college basketball too. So not quite as up there, but we're hoping some special Olympics basketball in the future. Right? So it's, <laughs> the dream is still there. You just have to redefine what that means for your child. Yeah. And I think, you know, his happiness is he's leading the way. Thanks for that plug, babe. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, actually, I, I think Paige all, uh, secretly just wants Tristan to live with, with us the entire time. Like, <laughs> I do. I, know. I do. I tell him all the time he can't leave me. And he goes, I'm going to go plain. I'm going to go. I'm going to go, go play. It's like, goodbye, mom. No, don't leave me. No, I'm, I'd be totally fine if Lane stayed with us forever. He's no burden. I would love it. Would absolutely love it. He's my absolute best friend. And I tell him everything. And I talk to him all the time. Like he's a little adult. He doesn't understand me half the time, but he listens to me. He's a better right. listener than some of my best friends. Yeah, I hear it. Okay, guys, we're going to jump into a little Q&A segment here and have you guys answer some of the questions that were asked. Um, So Jordan, the first one is for you. Can you think of a specific moment or situation that helped you see past the diagnosis? I can think of one one. for you, but I'll see if you share it. (laughs) So we're supposed to like say the same thing? No, I'm just saying I (laughs) I think, no, it's not a game. It's like a wedding game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just saying I can picture a defining moment in my head of whenever I think your brain kind of shifted from like hyper-focusing on the diagnosis to, to seeing past it, I guess. Hmm. Let's see if she's right. What's the answer? Uh, I'll share mine after he does because I don't want to take it away from him if that happens to be his answer. I don't know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a different answer? (laughs) Phone a friend. Not real. I mean, not really. I don't. I really think I have a uh, defining moment. I I want to say the second he was born, I you know, no matter what happened that day, I knew I was going to love him no matter what. But um, I, I can't really think of a defining moment, honestly, just bringing him home and getting him accustomed to just being with him all the time. Um, well, OK, so as, the, as time went on, you always said the first like three months and even with Jax, our second baby. who. Um, all right. Hold uh, on. I know. OK. <laughs> <laughs> OK. As far as I know, you know, he's a typical baby, you know, as far as we know right now for Jackson, but. Jordan always says, you know, the first three months, they're just a blob. That's kind of what he would say. You know, they eat, they need mom. I, there's not a lot that I can do. They're, they don't really have a personality yet. So it was hard for him to connect. And um, I'll never forget the moment. It's like seared in my brain of Jordan holding Joshua. And he would do this thing with him where he'd shake him and he'd go, ah, and Joshua would giggle like so hard. 
and that was his very first laugh. And I don't know if you remember that moment. I I, it wasn't a shake. It, I well, wasn't it was like it wasn't like a shake, but he just like would kind of like rattle him. Nah, <laughs> I don't, I'm just <laughs> it was just like a vibration. I don't know, but he thought it was so funny, and he would laugh so he would hard, jiggle him. Yeah, something it was just like a, I don't know anyways um but I remember in that moment seeing Jordan's face also fun. light up and getting to hear him laugh for the first time and kind of that moment of like okay he's developing this personality and he's a little person and not just like a blob anymore and that's probably the same for any babies really you know but I think for me, that was a big moment that I really first saw the relationship blossom and him wanting to go over and like find ways to make him laugh and hear him giggle. And yeah, I think that was kind of a big moment for you, I thought. But from from a mom's perspective, no, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Josh, this question is for you. Did you handle having a daughter with a diagnosis any different than having a son with a fragile X diagnosis? Say slightly um only because i kind of knew of the fragile x diagnosis with girls is you know you got a shot at not having as severe uh symptoms thank you as uh as as a boy typically has so like i was kind of said earlier with hope being so young it's still hard to tell if any that she'll have you know she could just have uh mild mild uh what anxiety you know or, or something like that or, or just being shy so you know that could be the most is the biggest symptom she has uh so no but instantly you know it just hit me like before with all the like with lane you know felt like a thousand pounds just got put on my shoulders again <laughs> uh but you just take it day by day right now and you know hope and pray for the best and you know just time will tell yeah, I think that's interesting too. Um, because I guess I we never really discussed that together, but I think I've told you girls this before that I kind of felt like Josh and I had two different like when I when I got Lane's diagnosis, of course I was crushed, but I mean it was just I did what I had to do. And then when I got Hope's diagnosis, I think with her being my daughter, I was so heartbroken because for me I was like Will she ever get to be a mom? Will she get to raise, you know, raise babies? Will she get married? Will she fall in love? Like all the things, you know, from me being a female, like having a daughter with this diagnosis. So I kind of felt how I thought that Josh felt when Lane got the diagnosis, like with it being his son. I don't know, something about it being like his son and my daughter. I felt like I maybe handled Lane's diagnosis a little better than I did Hope's and kind of the same um yeah it's probably pretty similar i i would say but like you said we did also kind of know that it could be a possibility so i don't think it was like as intense of we knew a little bit more about fragile x too as soon as we went down that road so it was a little easier and for you gabe what would you say is your best outlet or coping mechanisms for the days that are more difficult than others hmm that's a good question um I don't know if it's necessarily just one thing for me. Uh, I sounds like everybody's a big, you know, like sports. I think that's one outlet or coping mechanism for me to turn on a a game. I'd like to say my faith, kind of seeing the bigger picture, seeing how far he's come on days that are are tough, thinking back on the good days. And and, and like like, uh, I know Josh has said, kind of taking it day by day as well. Um, 
and then obviously having your 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 better half there to lean on. So I would say Aww. that uh, yeah. uh, those are some of the couple of mechanisms that I that I would have. So. Like that. Okay, I have a surprise surprise question that's not on the script. Um, Okay, so (laughs) sorry. As we were kind of talking about this, I was thinking about um, all the things that I guess I've learned or taken in from receiving a diagnosis in this journey that we've been on because it's a unique journey. And there's a lot of, I guess, life lessons or things that I have learned along the way. And so I'm curious from each couple what is something that you guys feel like you have taken away from this journey so far um I'll I'll start please go ahead (laughs) (laughs) I honestly like I sometimes feel like Lane was given to me like for well obviously for a specific um reason we are very much like faith-based family and I was like such a planner for everything I mean I still am Uh, still am but you know lane has really like just thrown us for a loop like not everything goes as planned and it's not like if we make friends or plans with our friends or you know plan a staycation like if lane is having a tough time like that that vacation's out the window you know it's like we have to be way more flexible and i think he has really just taught me to be more patient and more go with the flow I think I'm a little more go with the flow now. Um, <laughs> Josh of, might say quite, otherwise. Not, not quite like me, but yeah. Um, I just think like patience in general and to just handle situations a little more freely, you know, you, you don't know what the day is going to hold. So it's not like I wake up and it's always smooth sailing. So I feel like mm-hmm. for both of us that, and we're very active people and always out with friends and stuff. And like I said, that could change in like the drop of a hat if Lane's having a bad day. So yeah, <laughs> they're doing nose goes over there. I think I've done a lot of talking, babe. I think it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably the concept of community over competition, because it takes a village to do the special needs mom life and special needs parenting life. And so when you get your, let yourself get in the comparison mindset, it has the power to definitely be the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I've really taken away. I've just realized that while your kid may be excelling in something, they may not be excelling in a different area, but that doesn't mean that you're any less of a parent or your kids any less of an amazing individual and your life is still super beautiful. So yeah. I love that. Um, I'll share share the one that I was thinking of really quickly. Uh, So I think whenever I was pregnant, Jordan and I would hear people complain a lot about things. We started noticing people complaining about things more and it just became more aware to us. And so we would talk about it after and we had this mentality of, you know, those are little issues. Those are little, those are small problems. And we've started kind of developing that I think in our marriage over things a lot um, and having to kind of snap each other out of these moments of dwelling on small moments um, or small issues and recognizing that there's bigger issues out there and us coping with that diagnosis that was a big issue Um, and I think just being able to recognize now that some of these smaller issues are just that they're smaller issues and we're going to be just fine and we can work through them easy peasy no problem Um, so I think kind of just overcoming that diagnosis helped us 
realize that if we can overcome that, we can overcome anything. And especially those little, little things, I guess, those small hills. Definitely. That's one of the obstacles to me thinking about going back to work is when I worked in HR and recruiting, there were a lot of people's little tiny problems that I would deal with all day. And thinking of going back and dealing with that is just overwhelming (laughs) to me because I'm like, just thinking that's not an issue. Yeah. It's it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue. Right. Um, okay guys, thank you for enduring my surprise question. That is it for tonight. And we appreciate everybody listening and we hoped you guys enjoyed getting to hear from the men. If you're interested in helping to support tulips, don't forget that there's a few ways to get involved. You can rock our merchandise, which is available on our website. Um, you can become an official Tulips patron by becoming a monthly subscriber and getting awesome perks. And lastly, you can just help us out by spreading the word. We're always grateful to have you guys uh, joining our podcast and listening in. And if you or someone you love would be a good fit for a Tulips takeover, please be sure to fill out the contact form on our website or contact Sarah directly. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.